0: Good morning, everyone. Sure it's good to see everyone this morning. I want you to join me and just stop and take a deep breath for just a moment. Don't know what your week's been like or even your morning, but just let's for a moment stop and breathe and in that moment attempt to take an inventory of what's going on inside you right now as we are gathered here. Take a deep breath. If you're comfortable enough, even feel free to close your eyes. And let me ask you a couple of questions that you can then ask yourself. What's going on inside my heart and my mind today? What's consuming my thoughts, perhaps? And what are the nature? What's the nature of those thoughts? How would you describe your feelings and emotions? And then, Think about your week and ask yourself the same, even your month. In other words, consider your interior life. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are you letting in? What are you spending your time on? Really stop and assess. We don't have a lot of time this moment to go too deep, but it's a pretty sensitive and sacred space when you actually just stop and breathe and begin to ask yourself those questions. It's a good thing to do as a regular practice, and you can know that no matter what the answer is, Jesus is right there in that sacred interior space. And that's what we're going to do today. Look at that, because what's going on in there, as we assess, is exactly what we're going to talk about, and Jesus is going to teach about right here. If you close your eyes, you can open them now. We read in three of the four Gospels, Jesus telling a powerful story. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town to town, uh, from town after town, he told this parable. Now let's stop right here for a moment and set the scene. Jesus was a genius storyteller, still is. And storytelling, specifically sharing parables, was a teaching method that Jesus used often. Now, the Greek word for parable means literally to throw one thing down beside another. So the story, the parable, is told to shed light on one thing by telling a story about another thing. And we'll learn about this by hearing a story about that. That's how parables Work. In the parable that we're going to spend this whole month unpacking, Jesus tells a brief story of seed being broadcast across soils in various states of readiness and yielding various results in terms of fruitfulness. And in doing so, Jesus outlines for us the groundwork we each must do in our souls if we're going to live lives that are flourishing in Him. That's exactly what we want for us all. Lives that are flourishing in Him. The parable begins this way. Listen, Jesus says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Now, the rest of the parable paints the picture of this seed landing on soil in four different Conditions. And today we're focusing on the first soil, which Jesus described this way. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Now, this seed doesn't stand a chance, and it yields exactly nothing no movement, no growth whatsoever. It is trampled and eaten and gone no sooner than it lands after leaving the farmer's hand. Now, the story overall is pretty straightforward. A farmer sows seed pretty much everywhere he can. And where it lands has everything to do with whether or not it grows to fruition. But this is a parable, right? One thing alongside another. So there's a deeper meaning and there are questions. What does the seed represent? What does each soil mean? What is Jesus saying? And this is exactly what the disciples ask Jesus. And in a rare move, Jesus fully explains the parable to them. Often he just told parables. This time he takes the time after they question to explain it, which to my mind only strengthens my belief that this is one of his most significant parables. And so Jesus explains it and begins this way. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. The seed is the Word of God. Jesus says that the seed is the good truth, the Word of God, and then he explains that each soil's condition represents different conditions of our human hearts, our souls in receiving that truth. The seed is powerful, it is the gospel. It is the good news about Jesus, the Word of God, he says. And like seed, it is meant to grow. Yet as powerful as this seed is, it still experiences different outcomes based on where and on what it lands, as powerful as it is. And it is my experience and why I believe this parable is so especially powerful is that this seed represents not only the word of the good news that brings us to Christ, the gospel we believe and accept, we repent and are baptized, but God continues to desire to plant His good word, His truth, in me and you every day. He is endlessly sowing His good seed And every day I may or may not choose to receive that word or keep myself in a condition to let that good truth land on me and begin to grow. The good truth that I am loved and valued apart from what I accomplish. Maybe I forget that. The good truth that leads me to learn how to love my brother and sister in Christ better and more patiently. The word from the God of compassion that urges me to share love with all those that I meet in this world. The teaching that motivates me to help those in need, dismantle injustice, care for those who are hurting, speak up for those who are unheard. The good word of God that encourages me when I'm worn thin convicts me when I've gone wrong, refocuses me when I've lost perspective. All of this is God's Word to me and to you. All of this qualifies as the kind of seed that He wants to land on my heart and let it bear some fruit, but with mixed results, if I'm honest. The seed is the Word of God, and I need that Word every day. I need to be able to receive it. I need it to grow and bear fruit in my life. I want to thrive as a human being, which is just another way of saying I want to be a disciple of Jesus. And our way of looking at things around here, we see those things as synonyms. Human thriving and discipleship to Jesus really mean the same thing. It's where human thriving is discovered and developed where it's found and lived out. There are four types of soil Jesus describes. I mentioned that. Each of us is like one of these soils, and sometimes, on some days, we're like more than one of these soils. And ultimately, we have the ability to choose which one will be, to do the groundwork necessary, because the fourth soil is a soil that actually bears fruit. There, We'll get to that at the end of the month. But that's where we're aimed, right? We want, the God's word, we want God's Word to land on us to grow and to bear fruit. We get to choose the kind of soil we'll be. To, we get to do the groundwork necessary so that the message and reality of Jesus can get firmly planted in us. So what about our soil today? The soil along the path. Here's what Jesus says. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. What's happening along the path? The seed is trampled underfoot, we read, and snatched away by the birds. That's what happens in the story. Now, what what does that mean in my soul and in yours? Jesus says it lows along the path here. Then the message is gone. If we really place ourselves in the story, we can picture the scene, and some parallels can come to mind. There's a lot of traffic along the path, and with that traffic comes noise, and then there's those darn birds, right? Jesus says the birds represent the evil one, Satan and his minions, who does what he always does, steal, Now, it might seem quaint or old-fashioned to speak of the devil. But in my experience, uh, I've learned that it is neither quaint nor old-fashioned to take him seriously. His presence and activity, as well as all the forces of darkness, are very real and active in this world. Such birds are many and relentless. And they delight to use any means possible to snatch away God's good words from us. So in this story, this is where the stealing happens, along the path. So what is the implication of what Jesus is saying? Brace yourself, this is deep. Get off the path, okay? The path is not a place to be. At one point, Jesus declared that wide is the gate and broad is the road, that leads to destruction, and many take that road. That comes to mind when I hear Jesus talking about this, this, uh, this, this uh, path this, that's trafficked enough to trample underfoot the good word of God. The path in the parable represents, to my mind at least, the ways of this world, a world doing life and trying to make sense of it apart from God. Now, the closer we live to that path... The more we let in its noise and its traffic, its way of thinking, its perspectives and points of view, the more familiar we become with it, the more we desire to fit in with it, the easier it is for the evil one to steal away whatever truth God land, from God that lands on us. So, off the beaten path is literally where disciples of Jesus are called to live, that we are not of this world. This is a recurring theme throughout the Scriptures. Peter, uh, the apostle, uses the language of battle, but the message is, is the same when he says this, Dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, to keep away from worldly desires, that wage war against your very souls. There's a path, it's a worldly path. It's a path that gives no thought to the word of God, but instead just takes in whatever the world says is true and real and important. It's a highly trafficked path. It's a noisy path. It's a path with lots of opportunity for the birds, so to speak, to snatch away all the thoughts, all the errant philosophies and ways of doing life to snatch away God's word from our hearts and lives, robbing it right out of our our, our thoughts. and and leaving us completely void of that truth. No movement, no growth. It's as if the seed wasn't there at all. The pressure to go with the flow of this world, to get onto that path and just be carried along by its momentum. Man, that uh, that pressure is sometimes overt, it's often subtle, but it's always relentless. And it is easy to find ourselves... Sucked into it. Disciples of Jesus decide we will no longer shrink ourselves to fit in with this world. It's not worth it. And the life Jesus gives us is too large for that. When we live in our souls, when we live in our interior life near the traffic and chaos and noise of the world along that path, we give God's word little room and little chance to grow. The voices, the ideas, the philosophies of this world that leave out God are like so many birds of prey looking to pick off whatever good and godly truths may get near us. And it makes the message more difficult to understand. And Satan, the prince of this world, can easily sweep it away because we've chosen to live near all of that, the path. And now it comes to us in a constant feed in our worlds today, doesn't it? Marketing, social media posts, news, commentary, messaging of all sorts are loud and they swarm all around us. This path, Jesus says, is no place for my people to be. Nothing good happens there and all the good that could happen gets robbed and snatched and trampled and forgotten. So here's the groundwork we can do. Think about what came to mind when we were taking that breath a few minutes ago. When you took a moment to look inside, you were looking at the garden of your soul, to use this word picture, you were looking at the soil. And now think of what Jesus is showing us here in this parable about ourselves as human beings. He's tapping into something that's true of us all. This is the way things work. We are like soil. Whether or not we're ready to receive that good word is the question to ask. Consider where you are and what you're letting in. Consider what life off that path could look and feel like. Because see, when we step away from that path, which is clearly what Jesus is An aspect of what Jesus is calling us to do. Part of the groundwork is to realize the path is not a productive or fruitful place to be. I need to move away from that path. When we step away, things slow down. They also quiet down. I find a pace and a place to hear and really receive from God. In Mark 6, Jesus said to his disciples after an especially busy time of ministry. Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. This too is a teaching and a command of Jesus. Jesus is telling his disciples what to do. And in this case, it wasn't go be active, go do a bunch of great stuff, go cast out demons and heal the sick. He said and directed those very things. But in this case, his directive is, let's go away to where it's quiet and get some rest. Jesus did this kind of thing quite a bit for himself. We see that throughout the Gospels. He understood how necessary it is. And I can't help but wonder if this is part of the advice he's giving us in this parable. The noise, the traffic of that path is generally distracting and often specifically devastating. The messages that we receive along that path as we're tuned into the ways of this world don't do us any good. Messages like these. Politics is where true power lies. It's how we'll make a better world. Riches are what matter most. Image is how I define myself and how I know who I really am. Whether people like me or not will tell me whether or not I have any value. Success is what brings meaning to my life. Relationships, they're really the only way I'll ever know that I'm loved. Pay attention to the messages you're receiving, where you tune in, really, where you position yourself. When we get too close to the path, man, all those messages are just whizzing by. They're very distracting. Like so many birds, they just snatch away any good thing that might be trying to grow in us. What is the information, the truth, quote-unquote, that is being passed down that path? It makes sense to those on the path, but what makes sense to believers in Jesus does not always make sense to the world. Often it does not. What the world thinks is true is often misled and mistaken, So if we want the Word to grow in us, and let's be clear, that's exactly what we want. That's just another way of describing what it means to let Jesus do His work in my life and to let His Holy Spirit move in and do and grow me in all the ways that He needs me to grow and to develop as a fully formed human being in all the ways that are only going to be best for me. In this parable, the way you would phrase that is, let that seed land and bear fruit. That's a good, good thing. If we want that word to grow, we've got to come away from that noise on the path of the world. Find some quiet where you can hear God, where you can hear the sound of seed falling on fertile soil, the sound of God's word landing on your fertile soul. Now, another word... Another signal, rather, that are soil that can sometimes be along that path is a full and crazy calendar, right? Can anyone relate? I'm getting in your kitchen now, so I'm sorry about that, but not really. Okay, let's ask ourselves, when we really stop, take that breath, assess what's going on in our lives, truly, really, does God's word have room even a chance to actually grow when we think about the condition of our interior lives. The thoughts, the activities, all the the stuff. Corey Ten Boom was a great author and uh, Christian, uh, survived concentration camps in World War II, has a wonderful story, but she she also has this great thing that she once said, uh, if the devil can't make us bad, he'll make us busy. And there's a lot of wisdom in that. I don't know how you, you feel about that, but uh, if the devil can't make us bad, he'll make us busy. Because me distracted is about as much good in this world as me outwardly, overtly sinning, right? I'm still not doing much good either way. We are addicted, let's face it, to busy. That's one reason why we as a church are so committed to sustainable rhythms and a streamlined ministry calendar. We don't try to fill your calendar with a lot of church activities. It's far too easy to replace genuine discipleship with church activity. And it gets us nowhere in the end. And busy is usually accompanied by hurry. Not present in the moment, restlessly striving for whatever we think is next, whatever we think is needed. Our calendar, our to-do list must get it all done and fast, right? Something takes much time at all. It takes too much time. But there's this phrase that I've actually come across it two or three times in the last few months in my reading. uh, And it's applied in all kinds of areas, archery, cooking, military operations, you name it. There's all kinds of ways this phrase is applied. And the phrase goes like this, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. That it turns on its head the idea that to go fast is to be more effective, but instead that often when you're doing something truly important, and guess what? Living your life each day, very important. Okay? We tend to underestimate the importance of our day-to-day Lives. But who you are and becoming every day is a super important thing. And when we can slow down, we can begin to realize slow is smooth. Meaning when I get in a hurry, I end up doing all kinds of things. Maybe I'll regret, or, or I step on people in ways that I shouldn't, or I, I forget my priorities. But slow is smooth, and in the end, smooth is freer from error, right? And that ends up being fast, because I don't have to go back and redo my stuff, right? And apologize to this person and regret that thing and all that other stuff, right? Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. The principle holds true in our spiritual lives as well. Hustle, frenzy, the path is where the whole world seems to be. So much is happening there. And God's word just becomes one of many, many messages. But this precious word, friends, is worth moving off of the well-worn path and creating some space to let it land and let it grow. This is our groundwork. Now, all of Jesus' teachings and his parables are, of course, insightful uh, and they teach us amazing things. But few of Jesus' teachings and stories are quite like this one. It is so immediately applicable to every single person every day. Because he's talking about each and all of us all the time. Every day he has good truth that he wants to let land on me. And every day my heart is in a certain condition, a certain level of receptivity or distraction or non-distraction. Never ceases to be applicable to our true and real lives. Because listen, how God's word lands on your and my heart, the condition of our heart, our character, our life, who we are, is the single clearest determinant of whether we're going to find ourselves thriving or failing to thrive as a human being. How God's truth lands and stays or doesn't stay on us. That's why this parable is so insightful and important. Jesus is describing the type of life or person for whom God's truth doesn't stay, doesn't take root, doesn't bear fruit. And he's showing us that we don't have to suffer that outcome. He's showing us what we can do about it. We have choices to make, and we make them every day. Sometimes this is me and perhaps you as well. So we're going to spend all month in this parable. This was soil number one, the soil along the path. I find, and maybe you will too as we move through it, that sometimes you encounter a thing so true, so relevant, to your every day, that you've got to stop and take it in. And that's what we're going to do this month. And that's what we do each Sunday. I'd encourage you to grab your bread and cup if you got one on your way in. Each Sunday, we stop and we assess. The Bible says that when you take the bread and the cup, you should examine yourself. We stop and give ourselves a little bit of space to remind ourselves of what's true and to listen for that seed falling on those hearts, that soil. In the middle of telling this parable, Jesus declared, whoever has ears, let them hear. In Hebrew culture, to hear something was to truly hear it, as in to respond accordingly, not just let the sound waves bounce off our eardrums, right? Who among us as parents hasn't experienced this when we direct our kids to do something or stop, stop doing something, and we ask, Do you hear me? Right? What we're not asking is, did the sound waves that left my mouth land on your eardrum? It's not what we were asking, right? It's are you going to do what I said? Are you going to pay attention? And Jesus used that phrase frequently as well. And He uses it here. And I want Him to use it on me here, right? If you have ears, use them. He's essentially saying. Apply this and let it sink in. So when we stop each week to take the bread and the cup, we really are stopping to let things sink in. We're stepping away. Maybe you've been pretty near the path. Maybe you've been flat out on the path. Maybe God's word's been bouncing off of you for quite a while. I've been there. Let's, in this moment, step off that path and realize Jesus is right there ready to receive us to be near us, to speak to us, to let his good word fall on us and be fruitful. So as we take the bread, let's thank him that all this is made possible by his loving sacrifice for us. Let's take and eat together. And in the cup we are declaring, we've stepped away to look upon him to hear him in the din and the noise of all that can happen in our day-to-day, week-to-week lives. We're stepping away and saying, Jesus, it's your voice, your word, your truth that I want to receive most. Thank you that you've made that possible by your work on the cross. Let's take and drink together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this Small but powerful story that reminds us, Lord, that our interior lives, what's happening in our soul is the most important thing that's going on in us, not our calendar or our to-do list, but our soul. And Lord, thank you that you graciously, patiently, and without fail are broadcasting, sowing your good word toward us. So, Lord, help us to receive it. A word that says we're loved. A word that says we're forgiven. A word that says we're worthy. That you know us. That you have plans for us. That you want to, you by your grace, leave behind the things that have held us down. Help us to see how we can move forward in, in a light-filled and loving life. Help us to realize that with you, Lord Jesus. May your word bear fruit in us. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.